Well, first of all, those hormones are crazy. I couldn't handle them. The roller coaster was very intense for me. I don't know that it's the norm, but it's just the hormones are crazy. It was just so hard. I didn't know what I was doing. I'd never felt that inadequate before. You're listening to the MILF Podcast. This is the show where we talk about motherhood and sexuality with amazing women with fascinating stories to share on the joys of being a MILF. Now here's your host, the milfiest MILF I know, Jennifer Tracy. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today on the show, I have a veritable rock star, although she argues that she's not a legit rock star, but she totally is. Anna Warrenker. She is the front lady for a band called That dog. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram and online. Anna and I talked about Linda Lovelace, the star of the porn movie Deep Throat from the 70s, the infamous movie, and how Anna wrote a rock opera about Linda Lovelace that premiered here in Los Angeles. And we also talked about compartmentalizing being a parent and how, if and how that works. Just a wonderful interview all around. We talked about her music videos, which I highly recommend Googling. And I really enjoyed having her on the show. So I hope you guys enjoy it too. Thanks for listening. Hi, Anna. Hi. Thanks so much for coming on the show. You are so welcome. It's my pleasure. How's the coffee? Coffee's delicious. Thank you very oh, much. Good. It's so, so good. I, I pride myself on making my guests the best coffee. Well, you did a good job. It's kind of a thing. I Googled Anna last night because I know Anna as a mom. Our children go to school together. But I also know that you're a rock star and a composer. Yeah, you're being humble. She's squinting her I'm eyes. not quite a rock star. Maybe like a culty rock star or something, but not a legitimate. I mean, if we're going to like... Compared to split you, hairs, I am. Split hairs, yes. Compared to most of the world, you are. Okay, so so I Googled enough. Anna, which now hopefully everyone who's listening will do, because I was able to enjoy some music videos online. Oh, those are, oh <laughs> which ones did you see? Because okay, well, there's old ones and then there's not so old ones. Well, the, these are from 1997, it seemed oh, yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One was Wish You Well. Oh, yeah. Which I recognized yeah. your house as the location. Yes, yes. It, it's fab. It's artwork. I loved it. The I mean, video? Yes. My brother-in-law did that. Really? Yeah. Okay. It's perfection. So um, listeners, go Google oh, boy. the video, Wish You Well, yeah. on YouTube. And then the second one was uh, the song. This is all from Anna's band, uh, That Dog. Well, I Wish You Well was a solo thing. Oh, that was right. I'm sorry. That That's was okay. a solo thing. Thank you for correcting me. But Never Say Never was That Dog. The, yes, for sure. Which was another fabulous 90s yes. video. It's just steeped in 90s, which I love. Yeah, to a T. And you in the video are, you're singing about a lost love. It's funny because the lyrics never made any sense. I just, they just came out really quickly and I left them. I don't know what that is about. Interesting. I spent very little time on it, but it's got to be. But then I never took it out. I mean, yeah, yes. Well, really, it's whatever you want it to be. Yeah, whatever you want it to be. But in the video, you come into the therapist's office. I do. And... You lay on the, the therapist's couch. The therapist it, is my drummer. The therapist is a drummer, and he's very handsome and young. And you lay on the couch, and you have on a twin set sweater and mm -hmm. this leopard bra that's peeking mm -hmm. out underneath. And you're lounging in this very, and you have red nails and your red lips, and you're singing to the camera, which is his point of view. It was very cinematic, and I just was very, it was very erotic. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> 
Yes, it was a departure. It was a temporary departure because we were always really kind of schlumpy. I mean, we were like, you know, stylish in a outpatient kind of a way. <laughs> but <laughs> Wait, what do you mean outpatient? <laughs> well, just, you know, a lot of big clothes, big dresses, big... Wait, we, but what do you mean outpatient? Like we looked a little crazy all the time, like, you know, our, like psychiat- psychiatric yes, patients that yes, weren't yes. locked up, but they just, <laughs> yeah, like maybe we snuck just out to clarify. for the day. Got yes. it. Okay. We all started to clean up more. And so I wanted to take it to a whole other level. I was getting into like Russ Myers and stuff like that. And so I wanted to kind of push that boundary. And also I was of the right age and body or yes. whatever at the time to do that. Yeah. Now, not so much. Now, hold on. <laughs> I disagree because the first thing I thought of. Not when because I saw of that, age. Okay, thank you. Then why? I'm not in that headspace. Interesting. You don't feel it. You're not drawn I to was, it. Okay, so I never wanted to perform. I never wanted to kind of parade myself. I love doing the art. I love the process of making and recording, but I didn't like the rest. Turns out I do enjoy performing. But it was always kind of in this outpatient looking shield <laughs> that we all had together. I was kind of pushing myself outside of my shell and kind of going for it with the music. It was much more pop than our earlier music. And then I was kind of going for more of like a, like a sex kitten pop thing. Yeah. Um, it felt like a Go-Go's 2.0, like Go-Go's mixed sure. with maybe cranberries or something. I'm trying to think 90s. I can't. I'm yeah, not, I mean. I'm not nailing it, but. not Well, the bass player looks like Dolores, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> totally. She did. God rest. Yes. Her soul. Um, in that video, Rachel yes. looks like her. Um, <clears throat> so it was kind of an experiment that I feel weird about, a little weird about. Well, so that was my next question is how, how did it make you feel? <clears throat> Right after doing it, like when, when it came out. Oh, I was okay then. Then I was okay. It's more later, like as I've looked at my entire body of work and who I am overall, that was a period where I was trying something on. Gotcha. But I mean, that's what we have. That's what we do when we're yeah. expressing ourselves. And then as we look back, there are things that feel weird and things that don't. Right. I don't regret it or anything. But it but was it, just part of your journey. It was out of my nature and out of my character. And I remember hearing when the video kind of was put out in the company that people were like taken aback by it. Not in a bad way, in a good way, but... It was a departure. It was a departure. For you, overall. for the band. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then what was the next move after that? The band broke up after that. And I wanted to do, well, the, the last album we did was a solo album. And then I ended up doing it with the rest of the band at the last minute. So I wanted to continue on that path. We were having a difficult time working together and I'd never gotten a chance. We started when I was a teenager. And so I had never gotten a chance to do my own thing. So I wanted to just separate myself from that band, that identity and try my own thing. And that's what happened after that. And how was that? How was having your own thing? Great and horrible also. What was horrible about it? I was by myself, which I love, but it's hard. I'm not driven to perform and I'm not driven to get that type of attention. So it was, but the rest of the band was. So it made it really comfortable to be able to get up there because they all 
facilitated it. And then I could just do what I did and we would do what we did together. And then it was okay. By myself, it was like I had to really push myself outside of my comfort zone. And that was great and hard. Within that, you know, you had mentioned to me that you had suffered from anxiety. Oh my God, major. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how that worked as a, as, as a rock star. It didn't. It didn't because yeah. I didn't want to tour. Mm. And I always remember hearing that Kate Bush and Carly Simon, they never want, they had terrible anxiety and wouldn't travel either. And so I thought, well, okay, that's fine. I can do that, but it's just not that easy. And it was also not that time. It, it just was a different environment uh, in the business. But yeah, I just would dread it with a passion having to leave. I love the creative process. I thrive in it. I will work a million hours a day until it's done. And I will think about it and treat it like a precious painting. But when it came time to go city to city with the suitcase, I just, I could only do it so much. What would happen? What would, how would it emerge, the anxiety? I mean, panic attacks. Mm. Panic attacks and trying to get out of things and, you know, wishing bad things would happen so I didn't have to go. And then when I was there, I kept thinking bad things would happen. You know, it was, it's a lot of age appropriate narcissism because I was in my very early twenties and it's also genetic. Mm. And my brother, who's a very successful touring musician, had a bit of that, but got himself through it. I wasn't really able to. And he's in Paris right now. So mm. he's, he's doing, he just got, fine. he got through it. <clears throat> I just had to pull the plug on that. The touring. Yeah. It was just too uncomfortable for me. Yeah. And did that affect the band as a whole? Were they- well, the band was done. The band was done. So, so it was how- all on me, like, which also made it harder. Sure. More pressure. Yeah. I did a little bit on my own, but then it's also very expensive. And then the label, I wasn't w- with the label anymore. It was just like I had lost a lot, but gained a lot of autonomy, which allowed me to basically quit touring, which is not great for a musician's career. Mm. But I figured out that I'm more of a writer and a composer in my heart. And so while I do love performing, I don't love that life. So from there, you segued into composing. composing. So Mm -hmm. tell me about that transition. And had you had your son yet? Oh God, no. Okay. No, this, this is, is like all before 10 years before Alfie was born. Okay. Um, yeah, the band broke up in 1997. Alfie was born in 2009. So band broke up. Then I took a while and oddly enough lived on Hillcrest right above the school. Oh, really? For like seven years. Oh, wow. Yeah. I wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote everything that I'd never written before. So it's like, um, the big, that dog has a very specific sound. It's very specific to the way my brain works. And especially when I was 19 and I had Rachel and Petra who are triplets and incredible singers. And we were just like this machine of a brain, of a vocal brain and with a very strange harmonic sensibility. And I wanted to do everything but what I had done. So I just started writing in different styles. Then I was hired to do the music for a television show just out because someone was a fan and they just asked out of the blue. Wow. That's great. And I 
said yes. What even was the show? It was called, there was a movie with a similar title, The Opposite Sex or The Opposite of Sex. I think it was The Opposite Sex. Got it. It was on Fox. Okay. It was so much work. I'd never worked so hard. I had to learn Pro Tools overnight, basically, which is very difficult. Mm. And I made a lot of mistakes, but I it kind of opened up my whole world. And it made me see that I like the balance of making music for myself, but also making music for other people. I don't like it just to be about me. Mm. I'm not. That doesn't work for me. You got a lot of relief out of that. Like I did. Fed you. You were being fed artistically, doing your own stuff, and fed artistically doing these other projects. Yeah, but it gave you more balance. It sounds like. Yeah. 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 Wow. It made me happy. Mm. It's also, you know, you can make good money that way. And how fun is that to be able to make money doing something that's fun? Yeah. Or even if it's horribly hard, which it was, but it was great. (laughs) So then, um, from there, when did you segue into doing musical theater? Because mm. I want, I really want to talk about that. Early 2000s. And what did that look like? So someone had written the like a treatment for a musical, like a fun, funny, rompy musical about Linda Lovelace, who most people know as the person in the star of Deep Throat and America's First Porn Star. Amazing. I was asked by Charlotte, my sister-in-law, who's in the Go-Go's. She was approached to work on it. And she said, I'll only do it if I can do it with Anna. And Anna said, yes. And so- (laughs) Anna being you. Anna being me. And so I thought it would be fun. And I also love working with her. But we didn't know much about the subject matter and we had no experience. So it was just about writing songs kind of outside of the box of like rock music, which we were both into. Because Charlotte has a whole classical background that no one knows about. and, And I love it. So we started writing songs for it just the music over about five years of development because it takes so long to get a musical to the right place. It takes like 10 years sometimes. We found that it would be better as a serious dramatic piece that would be sung through. So it was an opera. Oh, wow. Like Tommy. So there's no dialogue. So we ended up morphing it. The, The original writer was not thrilled with that, but he acquiesced and we Charlotte and I rewrote it as an, a rock opera and so it was like 85 minutes of or 90 minutes of straight music and we did a production here that ran for six months and was sold out the whole time and it won all the awards and it was the first time <clears throat> either one of us had ever done anything like that and we met a, the director became a very close friend and the staging person and then our lead, Katrina Lank, just won a Tony for her role in The Band's Visit. So that's very amazing. exciting. That's so amazing. What Starring a actress. Wow. And when? what year was that? The, the play was, the play was 2008 to 2009. And then we did it again in Edinburgh at the Fringe Festival oh. in 2010. And the day rehearsal started, I found out I was pregnant. Ah. So the entire, from the beginning of rehearsals until the show closed, I mean, I gave birth six weeks later or something or five weeks later. So Alfie was there with me the whole time. (laughs) And then he came to Edinburgh with us. Oh, well, how old was he when you brought him to Edinburgh? A year old. A year old. Oh. It was cute. Linda Lovelace's story. Well, I don't know if it should be Googled yet because (laughs) there's opposing positions about it. But 
it's really about this woman who wanted to be a mother and had a really derailing experience. And no one really looks at her like that, but Charlotte and I did. And so it was just very interesting to go through that process about this woman trying to expose the part of her that she wishes could have been celebrated while I was becoming that. It was cool. Tell me more about that because that's fascinating. And I'm like wondering if we can make the comeback of it. I want, I want to I see want this to. rock opera. I want to. I, I mean, we want to. It's so relevant today. I mean, it's I always know. relevant. Well, but- I mean, it's a young, it opens up with Linda. I think she was 18 or 19 and she had sex for the first time and gets pregnant. Oh, wow. And this is all in the first song. And we're in the delivery room and the mother, gets her to sign the papers, but the papers are adoption papers and she didn't know it. And so that kind of sets the tone. And this is in the 70s? This is in 69, 1969. And then, so, and that pretty much sets the tone for the whole show. So then she runs away from home and she meets this man and he takes her in and he's bathing her in attention. And then turn, he gets her to marry him. And then it turns out he's a pimp and he's abusive and he's horrible. And he, yeah, there's a lot of rough, rough moments in it. Um, eventually that leads to her. He would have her do these eight millimeter loops. They didn't do, they didn't have feature length porno yet. And, all against her will, even though her performances really suggest otherwise, mm. which is why I think people don't really want to believe her story because mm. she was like a pioneer of pornography ex- acceptance mm. anyway for a lot of people. But that turned into her doing Deep Throat, which was the first full length porno movie, but it was also a comedy and it was silly and it was actually a really nice experience for her because everyone was nice. Harry Reams, who was her co-star, was like, they had a really nice relationship and he was really kind. And so it wasn't what she had been going through, even though it was still not what she wanted to be doing. And then she became a sensation, America's biggest star, presented at the Oscars. Wow. But all the while, he was beating her to a pulp. He had taken all of the money. She had no control over her life. Did she have another child? No. So at one point, she finally figures out a way to leave him. She couldn't ever leave him. He would do stuff like sleep on her so she couldn't sneak away. Like he was fucked up. Yeah, he was fucking awful. Okay. Sounds like the commander. Yeah. Just watched the latest episode. I mean, I don't want. Ugh. Yeah. I don't, I can't do that. I can't. Ugh. She ends up leaving him. She did get remarried. I mean, there's this whole section where she gets involved with the feminist movement and they try to groom her into being like a a figurehead Mm -hmm. and like spoke at Congress against pornography. And like she, I mean, she had very little education. She had been horribly abused. She had a lot of physical symptoms from all of that abuse that Mm -hmm. plagued her her whole life. I mean, just... It was endless. She ended up having two kids. and With this man? With the second man, who she ended up divorcing, but I think they stayed friendly. And we leave it, well, and then, you know, she dies. How did she die? In a car crash. Mm. Wow. So I want to back up to, that sounds amazing, and we need to bring this 
uh, rock opera back. We just need some financing, I think. Okay. So if you're listening out there. <laughs> and you have $10 million yeah. you'd like to throw. $10 million. Is that what it costs for a musical? For the legitimate workshop, yeah. Wow. No, no. That's what it costs. But I mean, it's expensive. Okay. But I mean, we, we could do it for less. Okay. We could drop some zeros. Okay. So $10 million. One million. <laughs> One million. Hundred thousand would be fantastic. But I would love to see that. So I want to go back to something that you said. Yes. About Linda and, and when you were writing this with Charlotte and, and putting it up and then you were pregnant during the time. Yeah. You, you said something, and I'm paraphrasing, about how she was exploring this part of herself that you were wanting to become. Or that you well, were she to, wanted to be a mother. She wanted to be a mother. And so you were wanting to be a mother. It was kind of actually interesting because she had everything working against her and she wanted to be a mother. Mm. I always wanted to be a mother, but once I got pregnant, I got freaked out. Okay. Well, and I got really depressed and I got, re I think I was just scared. Of course. So in a way I was I kind remember, of fighting it. I remember yeah. having dreams of, and I was just talking with a friend who's trying to get pregnant, who's having Oof. dreams of like caretaking children that aren't hers and forgetting where they are. And I remembered yeah. I used to, when I was pregnant, I always had dreams about like dropping the baby or the baby would slip through my arms or, you know, I was fucking up. I didn't want my life to change. Interesting. So it was this weird denial, which I feel terrible about because it was Alfie and he's, the best and right. he rules. But you didn't know it at the time. No, you're pregnant, I was. You don't know anything. It's like stepping into an abyss. You know, there was a whole side to it where, you know, we did a lot of research about Gloria Steinem and the feminist movement through research for the show, which I'm all about. And after I had Alfie, because I didn't want, let me back up, I didn't want becoming a mother to get in the way of me being an artist, to get me in, to get in the way of my marriage, to get in the way of my friendships or anything, my television watching. I <laughs> thought I could compartmentalize being a mother before I had my child. And then I had always prided myself in being this kind of hardcore feminist in a way in how I ran my life. And after I had him, I thought equal pay is great. But I just grew a person in my fucking <laughs> body. It came out of my body and eats off of me. Yep. That is powerful. I don't see any man being able to do that. Yeah. And that like really freaked me out. Because I. How did it freak you out? I didn't look at things like that. I, to me, it wasn't ever about needing to be like superior to anyone, but it was. I'm an independent woman and I make my own money and no man is going to take care of me and no one's going to take care of me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I had this very strong mindset. I started working when I was really young. My father's also in the business. And so I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder about being independent and my husband's in the business. And so I had another chip on my shoulder about being independent. And when it came time to have to look at it from a different lens like that, a natural lens, I, w I didn't understand. Mm. And it was really intimidating. Hence the postpartum depression. <laughs> mm. So let's talk about that. So okay. Alfie's born, you had a re relatively typical pregnancy. Pretty much. Mm. Pretty much it was all right. And the birth was good. Yeah. I mean, I had a scheduled C-section, so that made the stress of it and the anxiety about it not existent, even though he came before it was scheduled. Ah. So I got to have that thrill, but I didn't yeah. have to 
I'm guessing you had the anxiety about because we all do. <laughs> what is it? Yeah. Nobody knows every birth is different. Every Yes. Every, yeah. But I didn't want to give birth vaginally. Mm. I was like, hell no, I don't want to do that. Now I, I look at it differently. Interesting. What was the, what was your thought behind that? It sounds grotesque and it sounded grotesque. It seemed barbaric. Mm. Remember, I didn't understand the natural part of it yet. I was still looking through that lens of like, I just call it like a glorious dynam lens, you uh -huh. know, like she never had children. So she doesn't know what I'm talking about. Mm. I'm putting it on her. It's not her. I respect her immensely, yeah. but I just didn't want to. Turns out, I think maybe that desire to not want to was good because I couldn't, because I had to have a C-section ah. and I knew it early on. And so it was fine. Right. It was totally fine. So I'm, I'm really happy about that. And it turns out the cord was wrapped around his neck a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so it was all how it needed to be. Yeah. Exactly. And so I felt grateful that it was in line with my birth plan. Yes. Because that doesn't always happen. Yes. True. So he's yeah. born, you take him home. And it's you and your husband mm -hmm. and your son. Mm -hmm. And then. And a night nurse. I wish I would have done that. I, I wish just, I would have gotten the night nurse I hired. What happened? Oh dear. So the day of, one of my best friends adopted a baby overnight. She had no preparation at all. It was an, it's an incredible story, but she was like, it was too scary. So she got a night nurse and this person stayed in their family for like a year and I loved her. And so she was going to come stay with us for a few weeks, just help us get the lay of the land and just, you know, stay out of the way and just like kind of help at night. Because of course, in my controlling mindset of not wanting my life to change, I thought, well, I need to get my sleep. It's like, well, we, but we don't know. Until we don't we know. Just, none of us know. So she flakes no the day of no after having come to the hospital <gasps> everything and sends someone else and i'm just like A okay total fine stranger total stranger never met her before didn't she was really funny she was really nice but she wasn't what we had planned on and then she was really overbearing oh no it drove steve crazy because he wanted to be overbearing you know, he wanted to be, you know, he was she like, took away his role. <laughs> she did though. Cause he wanted to, you know, he would put Alfie in a baby sling and be like, this is what it must feel like to be pregnant. And I was like, no, it's not, I but totally go for it. And that. it's the sweetest thing. He wanted to do every feeding. He wanted to get in there. And I ruined that. But at the same time, I just had this insane surgery. And wait a minute. How did you ruin that? Well, because I could have sent her away. But instead, I was still locked into the plan, and so I just kept her. She stayed for three months because I felt like I couldn't do it without her. Right. I just want you to give yourself a break in this moment because when we've just yes. had a baby, we I mean, look back on my situation, yeah. the decisions that I made. Yeah. You know, my husband came home and said, um, so I've just taken a job. I'm right. leaving. My son was 18 days old, and he was like, I'm leaving for four months. That's cool, right? Oh and my I God. Said, I mean, four I hours said, is too much. I said, sure. Because I was so out of my mind, not knowing what that would look like, but I agreed to that. And I, wow. so I just want you to, you didn't I mess know. anything up. You did the best you could. You know. I think, you know, I can't go back in time, but I think that it would have been, it would have helped my postpartum 
in a positive way had she not been there. Mm. So what was the postpartum? What did, what did it look like for you? Well, first of all, those hormones are crazy. Yes, they are. And I couldn't handle them. I couldn't. It was like the roller coaster was very intense for me. What was the roller coaster like? Was it um, sleeping, it, anxiety? No, it was more like the rushes of like the crying and the... You crying. Yeah. Like just that initial post-birth can't stop crying stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's just was... Well, I mean, I've, I know other people who went through that, but I, I don't know that it's the norm, but it's just the hormones are crazy. It was just so hard. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was doing. I'd never felt that inadequate before. Breastfeeding was not that easy, especially since we had someone who was feeding him a bottle and then Steve wanted to feed the bottle. And it was like, okay, but I'm not producing enough milk and I'd never had that. I'd always had these perfect boobs yeah. and you still do by the way your boobs are they're perfect. very low now which is fine well that's just gravity <laughs> i know i know and well and they're bigger they're a lot bigger but um they were just perfect and i didn't think they could do any wrong and they did and that was crazy mm-hmm. that was really 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 weird i don't know if anything before or since has made me feel more deficient than when my son wasn't latching on properly but oh. it was for me, in my mind, it was my fault. And only so I went to a yeah, only because who else? You know, I went to a um, the pump station and had yeah. a private lesson on how. Even though they'd shown it to me in the hospital, which then made me think that they showed it to you in the hospital. Yeah, right? yep. You know, but he was like not latching on. He was spitting up blood because he was he was and my nipples yeah. were bloody and raw. Oh God, that was so painful, so painful. And yet it was like, well, I've got to fix this because he's not getting enough nutrients and. That made me more anxious. And I've just, I felt like just, that was the beginning for me in my postpartum journey Mm -hmm. of I'm defective. Yep. And I just started hanging. Oh, that was my dog shaking the collar. (laughs) I don't know if you can hear that. That was that dog (laughs) shaking that collar. Um, Yeah, it just kept hanging the, the... the trophies, you know, of each defective thing yeah. that I felt like. Yeah. So you struggled with also with breastfeeding mm-hmm. and then the night nurse wasn't helping anything. I mean, she was funny. I mean, she was a total character, the kind of character I love, but. Not when you've just had a baby though. <laughs> no, I mean, look, if I, yeah. if Steve didn't exist, then I'd probably say that she was a godsend because. But it was she just, just the took dynamic over. of the three of you that just didn't work. He just, he wanted to take over. Yeah. And what a, how rare. Yeah. How wonderful. Yeah. yeah wonderful and rare. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, we live and learn, and but. Did the postpartum continue on? It went for about, uh, I feel like what I really think it was, it was a combination of the night nurse and the hormones. And then I think it turned into the whole inadequacy thing. But I think that I had planned on parenting in a way that didn't feel right to me. And I was, had told myself to go against my gut because I was going to make mistakes if I went with my gut. Wow. Yeah. Talk about putting pressure on yourself. Yeah. And also all I have are my instincts. Yes. And they've served me well. I just fell into this kind of like, he better sleep through the night. You know, all of that kind of like, I want that just. You had a vision of how you thought it needed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
also, I mean, wanting your child to sleep through the night isn't yeah. selfish <laughs> at all. But I'm just saying like the stuff where like the way, well, the way that I parent is all about kind of flexibility with him. Yes. So it wasn't until he had <laughs> a life-threatening situation happen that uh, it shook me enough to parent how I wanted to parent. Mm. And then it stopped. What happened? He had something called intussusception. Which is interesting because I thought he had gotten sick right after we got back from Edinburgh. And I just have this image of him rolling around on the floor, like licking the carpet of the Paris airport. Because he was like one. Sure, of course. He put everything in the And house. we were like v vomiting at the idea of, of what on earth is With, he getting. Yeah. yeah. So he was very sick on the way home, which I dealt with really, really well. Screaming baby for 10 hours with like toxic endless diarrhea oh. in diapers. Oh, that's wow. And I had a tremendous fear of flying and was like on stuff. But I dealt. And I'd never dealt before like that. I'd never just like said it doesn't matter how I feel. I have to deal with this. Yeah. So that was good. Um but then he had something called intussusception which is when your intestine backs up into itself. Oh my gosh. So oftentimes that'll happen and then it'll just fix itself. Sometimes it happens and it has to be corrected or you need surgery. And then if you don't get to it in time, you die. Because you go, it's a, you go septic. Yes. Yeah. So it was a whole oh, drag of things that went on around diagnosing it. And luckily we got them to Cedars. They were able to um, reverse it without doing surgery, but it was a crazy experience you know, him being basically, I mean, I hope he never hears this, him being strapped down and them having to like do some sort of enema type thing sure. while Steve and I are in oh. lead gowns, basically like singing Yo Gabba Gabba to him oh. at the top of our lungs. And then we spent the night in the hospital where I wanted to sleep in the cot and I wanted Steve to sleep with him. That was the last moment of my selfishness. It's not, mm -hmm. selfish isn't the right word, but my, the way I thought I was supposed to do it. Like I could, well, I have to get my sleep. Mm -hmm. No, I didn't. Mm -hmm. So then I finally like broke the barrier of being able to bond with him. Mm -hmm. I totally bonded with him, but like the, not in this way. And I got in the bed with him and he put his head on my head, which was horribly uncomfortable, bone to bone. And I didn't care because I loved it. And then I never wanted to let him go. Mm. So it was like, I was attached before all of that, but I was trying to be a little detached. Mm. And then after that experience, I just said, no, I won't. Mm. Oddly enough, Steve started working a lot and touring a lot. And the timing of it was probably really good because I was allowed to define how I wanted to parent on my own. And then it ended up, we have this amazing relationship. Wow. That's an amazing story. Yeah. It's a hard one. Yeah. But you really, I mean, what I'm hearing too, is that you were protecting yourself from something you thought you had to protect yourself from. Yes. And then, because you're right, it's not selfish. It's not any of those things. I think you just had this preconceived notion of what you it's thought It's like it city folk. Yes. That's how I would put it. It's like, I, I wanted to be like a city folk, yes. you know, like where I don't get disturbed and you yeah. go off into the other room. Like, but that's not who you are. And you discovered that and you leaned into it. A hundred percent. allowed yourself to be vulnerable. Yeah. I was also just trying to be like certain friends that had children sure. and just follow those basics that most people do. It's just, it didn't feel comfortable to me, you know, sleep training. There's nothing wrong with it. 
it just felt really wrong to me. Also, he would never stop crying. So it was like, it it wasn't working for him. Oh, it's excruciating. I remember doing it and I wanted to peel my skin off of my arms. I couldn't do it. It was just horrible. I couldn't do it. I mean, I don't think he slept through the night until he was like three. And how did that feel relinquishing your, the idea of I need my sleep, I need my sleep? How did that feel? Oh, it was the best. It was so great when I finally just dropped the like uniform, Mm. the parent uniform I thought I was supposed to wear. Mm -hmm. And I just said, I got to make my own rules. This is who I am as a person. I never do anything the way anyone else does anyway. Why do I think I have to do this like that? This is the most important thing ever. Mm. And so I, it felt great. It still feels great. Mm. I mean, that's a lot of what our friendship's built on is, you know, parenting our children outside of the box. Yes. Also like following our boys' leads. Yeah. And our guts. Yes. Our guts. Yeah. (laughs) Following our guts around. Now bringing it back to, you know, you mentioned earlier, you thought you could compartmentalize. So now your son is nine Mm -hmm. and you work like a fiend. You're always working. I do. Yeah. So how does that, and your husband's always touring. Yes. You're a single parent most of the, you're single parenting, even though you're married and yeah, his dad. And, but, but we joke about it. Like, we jo- yeah. like we're co-parenting half the time. Yeah. <laughs> so how does that work balancing? And, and well, what are you working on now? Right now I've actually, um, finished a new that dog record, which I haven't done in 21 years. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. That's amazing. And I'm working on a musical about the Stonewall riots. Hit the wall. Hit the wall. Yes. I'm super proud of that I'm doing with Charlotte and I'm doing with the director and the stage staging person from Lovelace. So we're the band's back together, I guess on both fronts, the band is back together and we've been doing hit the wall for about three years. So we're deep into it, but we're still at the beginning stages. Well, yeah, now that I know it takes 10 years, boy, I hope it takes less, but. And so between when you really had that deep, awakening of yourself and realization when he was one after the Mm -hmm. uh, medical event. And now how did your artistry kind of fit in those years, especially when he was a toddler and yeah. Were you able to work? Were you able? I was able, I was, but I didn't have focus. I had focus if it, like we were doing Lovelace stuff around that time and I knew how to focus on that. And Charlotte's very focused and she kind of, because I was pregnant and I was depressed and then I was having a baby and I was kind of all over the place and she had already done that because she has a daughter, my niece. And her kids are older. She has one daughter that's 23. Oh, right. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, I knew how to do Lovelace, but then it was like, how do I make a living? And then I had signed a publishing deal um, to with a friend of mine who was starting a new company that I'd worked with for years. That turned out to be a really bad experience where his partner in it ended up stealing money from me and rerouting publishing. And yeah, and they stopped, you know, shopping my work and sending me stuff. So it, it was interesting because after Lovelace was kind of like the first creative thing that w- was deeply fulfilling since the first that dog record. Mm. So it was like this. I felt because after that dog, I was experimenting and I'm very proud of the work that I did. I was still trying to figure out who am I alone? Who, what am I like as an artist? And 
that's a tough one for me because I'm, I like to just be in my studio. Mm. Um, I don't want to do all the photos and stuff. I will. I totally will, but that's not, it's not your favorite. No. So Lovelace was great because I got to put all of this into it and then everyone got to act it out for me. And it was this creatively satisfying thing. So I had kind of gotten back on track with that creative feeling and I didn't really have time or didn't realize that I was having a negative um, group of people involved in my writing career where they were squelching it and, mm. and wheedling it, whittling it down. So it wasn't until Alfie was like maybe three or four, whenever he started going to preschool, maybe mm. it was like four, I was like, oh, wait, okay, I can focus now. And for so four hours. Yeah, for, <laughs> exactly. And right. then, but I could actually, I think I needed to watch TV for like three months. Yeah. But then after that, <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, wait, I could write. I want to start writing again. And also I need an income. What the hell happened? So I had no income. I had no uh, career support and I was investing in myself basically. Mm. But without an income that gets a little difficult. Sure. So I've just been doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and then I found that the work I've been doing is the best that I've done in my opinion, but I would like balance again. <laughs> you know, I would like to also have that balance of, I just wrote a commercial. How fun is that? And now I'm getting paid and now I can focus on the musical where I'm not going to get paid for 15 years if I get paid at all, you know, like sure. not that it's all about getting paid, but it no, but is my job. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, you know, raising families here. And it would be nice if Steve didn't have to be gone. How is that on your marriage? Oh, it's so bizarre. It's just, I mean, we're kind of used to it because it's gone on since we've known each other. And that was fine because it was like when he was home, we could be a couple. And when he was gone, I could just do my own thing. But it's different with Alfie sure. because I want them to bond. And if that's difficult, then I got to get out of the way. And it's just so much not about me and him. And it's so much about the three of us or the two of them. Mm. I think it's fine. Not easy. It's yeah. not easy to yeah. bring a child into a relationship. I mean, we'd been together for 14 years before wow. we had Alfie. So it's different, but it's better. It's, it's, it's okay. Yeah. And then, you know, at some point, Alfie won't want to hang out with us as much. I know. That, and that we'll like figure something yeah, then else You'll be out. stuck with each other. <laughs> and we'll probably go back to going out to longer dinners and- yeah. Maybe going to a movie once in a while. Maybe. Yeah. You know, he'll start watching bad shows with me again. Right. He doesn't do that anymore. What's your favorite bad show right oh, now? Oh, God. Um, any housewife, I bachelorette. I into any of those. I oh, well, it's too trashy for you. <laughs> now, what makes you say that? It's just, it's too gross for you. <laughs> There's some, you have to be built for it. Like, I, I don't know why I am, but I am. <laughs> I mean, I oh, that. I love it. I love that. We are winding down, but I do want to ask, okay. first of all, thank you again for coming on the show. You're very welcome. Fabulous. Thank you. This was wonderful talking to you. Um, and I wanted to ask you- You can if, do it anytime. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll definitely have you come back. Um, and we want to get uh, Lovelace back out in the world. Yeah, we do. I mean, that needs to be- I. I really want you to would buy a ticket it. to go see it. It sounds incredible. You would love it. She sounds just like this amazing human. Um, yeah. So, so that. Um, but if people want to find you, is there is there a place online where they can probably find you? Facebook. Facebook? I think that seems okay. to be the most. Uh, and is there a that dog? There's a that dog, and there's an Anna Warrenker. Got 
about it. Okay. And we'll put links to that up episode. Okay. So thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. And then, um, as I mentioned to you before we started recording every episode towards the end, about 10 minutes before we finish, <clears throat> I have two questions that I ask every guest, but you are the lucky one that I'm going to add a third. Oh boy. <clears throat> so I'm going to ask you three questions. Okay. I'm going to pour myself some water. Okay. The frog is, is coming back. It sounds sexy. Oh, does it? Sure. Okay. I'll roll with that. Sexy frog. <laughs> That's your image? That's my image. <laughs> That's my totem. So three questions and then we'll go into a quick lightning round question. Okay. So what's something you've changed your mind about recently? Waiting for people to get back to me when they've taken too long. Okay. But what did you think about it before and what do you think? About I thought it? it was good to be patient and not be too pushy. And now I realize that if I don't make it happen myself, it's never going to happen. And so I have to find a way to be more comfortable doing that. Right. Agreed. Thank I you. I just did that actually last night with a guest uh -huh. that I hadn't heard back from because I know that she's pregnant with her third child. She oh just my got God. remarried. Oh my God. She's put her new book is being published. Oh my God. She's incredible. And she, and she just moved. Okay. So she's busy. my worst nightmare. <laughs> she's busy, right? Yeah. She's, she's busy. Lovely. It's, I'm talking about Claire Bidwell Smith, who's coming on to the show. She's oh, wonderful. Cool. You know, I thought, just just bug her. And so I, I sent the email again, just said, hey, I'm just bugging you because I know how busy you are. Yeah. And I said, and I'm going to keep bugging you. Yeah. Because I adore you and I want you on the show. And so. Um, I think sometimes we have to do that. I mean, it's, I hate it with yeah. everything that I am. Yeah. I want to like whisper it in an yeah. email and have someone like respond, yeah. but it's not. And because it's never about us. Really, so no. we're not responding. It's just we all have these wonky lives and, and 18,000 commitments. Okay. Yeah. Second question is how do you define success? If you imagine you're on your deathbed and you think about your accomplishment, you think about what your accomplishments are, what would those be in the moment that you're living out this creepy fantasy? Would I think about money? I don't think, I don't know. Would I think about my creativity? Yeah. Would I think about my parenting? Yeah. It's about what makes you feel that complete feeling. Mm. Like you, you're doing all of it. So that to me is success. Awesome. Okay. And the last question is, and I'm adding this because it's been interesting. So this is MILF podcast. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. You know, most of my girlfriends who've obviously known me for 20 plus years are like, Oh, great. That's so great. But I've had some interesting reactions to it. And so my question for you, Anna, is what do you think of when you hear the word MILF and how do you feel about it? Well, is it mom I'd like to follow? Well, this <laughs> podcast, I mean, yes, it's both. It's both. Okay. So that's a good, that's a very good question. So, you know, it obviously is from the original right. mom I'd like, mom I'd like to fuck. Which I think came about, and, and we need to look into this. I kind of want to have a round table discussion That's about a good it at idea. some point. But it was from the American Pie movie. Oh. I think. Oh, right. When that kid. That storyline? Yes. So that's kind of, it was kind of like young teenage boys looking at mom, their friends' moms in that mm -hmm. way. And then it became a whole, it's a whole genre in, in pornography. Oh. Circling back to okay. our previous topic conversation. But it's also, you know, become this whole sort of my other friends I asked them I said what do you think about this and I asked her husband actually Sabrina who was on the show and he said I think it's a compliment yeah I think it's a compliment you know? I mean so, I think it's created a I mean this has happened in the music world too where there's this whole you know people look younger and feel younger and aging is different 
yes. now. Yeah. And so there's this whole world of middle-aged people. It's true. That, that are sexy. On their way out. Right. You like know, they're like and even 60 ain't no thing anymore. Yeah. I mean, it it's not like, middle-aged because then you'd have to be 120 when you die, right. which at some point probably <laughs> will happen, which sounds kind of too long, but I think, I think it's great. I think the whole middle-aged thing is awesome. Yeah. Once I crested 40, I felt like it was like, oh, what thank relief. God, yeah. get me out of there. <laughs> yeah, seriously. That was a nightmare. Yeah. Gel polish or regular polish? Mm. Regular. Daytime sex or nighttime sex? Day. Texting or talking? Texting. Whole Foods or Trader Joe's? Instacart. <laughs> Cat person or dog person? Neither. Cat. Daniel Craig or Ryan Reynolds? Who's Daniel Craig? <laughs> I love that answer. I have no idea. Daniel Craig is an actor who he was in the latest. He's the latest James Bond. Oh, neither. Yeah. On a scale of one to 10, how good are you at rollerblading? Zero. If you could push a button and have the world be 7%, everyone in the world be 7% happier, but it would also place a worldwide ban on any hairstyling products, would you push it? <gasps> Oof. Because I really need that. Like if you said no makeup, I'd be cool. Oh my God. Everyone would be 7% happier? 7%. But I'd have to look like Carol King on Tapestry or Robert Plant after a show. Uh, everyone in the world would be happier. 7%. Mm. I'll choose my hair. <laughs> okay. Superpower choice. Invisible whenever you need to be or ability to fly? Oh, invisible. Would you rather have a vagina that speaks or have the ability to fart songs? <laughs> I basically fart songs already. <laughs> Um, a vagina that speaks. Sure. Okay. That would be a funny conversation. What was the name of your first pet? I think it was Lady Bo. And what was the name of the street you grew up on? Romany. So you're? Lady Bo of Romany. Yes. I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the you're show, welcome. Anna. I adore you. I adore you. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the show. Make sure you head on over to milfpodcast.com where you can find transcripts of every episode, show notes, tweetable quotes if something resonated with you and you want to retweet it. Also, links to all our social media profiles and give us your email so we can stay in touch and keep you apprised of all things Milfy. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.